are beginning a new series today, everybody, entitled Relationships. Everybody say Relationships. Strong and healthy connections. The reason is because uh, we were created as relational beings by a relational God. The challenge is that relationships can be complicated. Uh, In fact, sometimes the point of most pain for people is uh, relationship problems and challenges. And so we want to go to God's word. By the way, anybody got their Bible today? Come on, show it to me. I am a pastor who loves to see Christians with their Bibles. Amen. If somebody has their Bible, let's just say, you're looking good. Tell me you're looking good. Come on, come on. Now, if somebody doesn't have their Bible, say, you could be looking better. Tell them you could be looking better. Just kidding, just kidding. If you don't have your Bible, we're going to have the verses up on the screens as well. Hey, go to John 4. That's our main passage today. And also Galatians 5. We'll have a secondary passage there. So John 4, main passage, Galatians 5. And um, it's funny because about a week and a half ago, I saw a video which was the perfect illustration for my introduction today. Now, the video was kind of low resolution, so uh, I want to share it with you because I think you guys will appreciate it. So imagine imagine this little baby girl, probably a little under two years old. Anybody have anybody close to that age or you've had? Okay, so imagine, imagine you know when they're walking kind of like this, kind of like, like this though, you know? And, and, and like one and a half to two years old, and the parents were kind of teaching her how to help at the house because you got to get started early. Can I get an amen from the parents? And so the baby girl comes in with a teacup of water. The, the dad is sitting on the sofa. And the baby, she walks in like this, and you know she's spilling like water the whole way, you know, because it's like, and she gets the dad, and the dad says, sweetheart, thank you so much. Is this water for me? Yes. And he drinks it, and he, he goes, that's delicious. Thank you so much. So she walks away. And three minutes later, guess what she does? She comes back with another cup, Right? So she's spilling the water on the floor. She brings the teacup, and the dad says, oh, my princess, thank you so much. Is that water for me? Yes. Let me drink it. He drinks it. She goes out. Guess what she does again? Again. By the way, do you guys like my walk, my two-year-old? She walks. She's spilling, and the daddy is just like, oh, my goodness, right? She did it about five times. And so dad, dad then begins to think she's not tall enough to reach the kitchen sink, And she's not strong enough to pick up the pitcher of water. So he follows her right into the bathroom. Do you guys know where her teacups of water were coming from? With that being said, here's the lesson. Sometimes we are drinking from the wrong source. Can anybody understand what I'm saying today? It is important to consider the source from which we are seeking to satisfy the thirst of our souls. And sometimes we think something is good until we realize we're going to the wrong well. And today I want us to look at a story in John chapter 4 where Jesus has an encounter with a woman at a well. And I want us to learn together what he has for us today. John chapter 4, verse 5, and it says, So Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? 
His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman asked, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Pause. Can we pray? Lord, we invite you into this moment today as we study your word, and I pray that our hearts would be open, our minds would be receptive Our lives would be fertile soil to receive the seeds of truth from your word and that you would allow those seeds to grow, to flourish, and give much fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we hear about this woman who was a five-time failure in marriage, and now she was living with another man who wasn't her husband, and yet Jesus finds it important to impact her life and love her. Jesus came to minister to her and help her recognize the real source of her failed relationships. Now, this is a really incredible encounter, and and as he often did, masterfully, Jesus chooses a well for a place of this encounter. Now, the woman was a social outcast. By the way, no woman would ever go to a well by herself for safety reasons, for social reasons, Uh, And in this case, no other woman would be found found with this specific woman and associate with her because she was a social outcast. She was known as an adulteress, a five times divorced failure, and possibly probably considered of the lowest of the low in the status of society. So you can imagine her surprise when anybody talks to her, not to mention a man, and then she turns and realizes it's a Jewish man and the Jewish men and Samaritan, Jewish people and Samaritan people didn't really get along. And Jesus begins to talk to her in an interesting conversation about water. And we can learn some lessons from this encounter of the woman at the well. I want to teach today four lessons from the woman at the well. How many lessons? Four women from the les- woman at the well. Four lessons. Number one, here it is. This is the most important one. This is the one you got to take home today. Only God can meet our most important relational needs. Help me out. Only God can meet our most important relational needs. In other words, our most important relational needs cannot be met by any person. The reason this woman was failing in relationships is because she was trusting in other people to meet her deepest needs in life. And people simply cannot do that. It's interesting 
then when it comes up in the conversation that she, she's had five husbands, notice that Jesus didn't say, oh, well, you chose five duds. <clears throat> notice that Jesus doesn't say, oh, you just, oh, just bad luck, these bad men that you chose, right? It's interesting because a lot of people, a lot of people actually feel this way. Oh, I'm just, I just know how to pick them wrong. And, and, and let me say this, sometimes we do make bad choices, but that's not always the source or the root of the problem. Some women feel that way, and some men feel that way too. I just pick them wrong, right? But Jesus never says that the men in her life had been her problem. What he says to her is, lady, you are digging and drinking from the wrong well. You're expecting people to do for you what people simply cannot do. If we take it back to the beginning, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in the beginning, uh, we know and understand that God created Adam and Eve. It was never God's design that they would live without him in their relationship. It was never just Adam and Eve. It was Adam and Eve and God in the center. God intended to be in the center of every human relationship for all of humanity. But when they sinned, the relationship with God became fractured. It became broken. And not only could they not get along, but then by Genesis 6, God already regretted having made man on earth. And it says that man became violent and immoral. Why? Because we no longer had God at the center of our relationships. Listen to me clearly today. Only God can meet our deepest needs. In the operating system that runs your life and my life every single day, there are four deepest needs that we are all trying to get met. This is under the same first section, right? And all of us are trying to meet these mistakenly by people. Here they are, our four deepest needs. Number one, acceptance. Number two, identity. Three, security. And four, purpose. Now you guys help me out. Number one, acceptance. Number two, identity. Number three, security. Number four, purpose. We are constantly trying to get these needs met in our lives. Now let's talk about acceptance. I want to be accepted, but I don't want to just be accepted because I look good or smell okay. I want to be accepted for who I am. I don't want to just be accepted on my good days. I want to be accepted on my not so good days. That's part of acceptance. But there's only one person who could be trusted to truly do that. And his name is Jesus Christ. People simply cannot be trusted to always love and accept us. Even the people that are closest to us cannot meet our need for acceptance. But God says in Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's both physical and emotional because leave refers to physically and emotional refers to emotionally. You know what's interesting? Like even in a marriage, you could be together living in the same household physically together, but forsaking each other emotionally because your heart is completely disconnected. You may have been there before, or you may be there now, and that's hard. That's not the idea. But, but that's what people do, that's what we do as people. Even though we have best intentions, we will sometimes not only leave physically, but we will also forsake emotionally. And God says, in all of eternity, I will never leave your presence, and I will never turn my heart away from you. Can I get an amen for that? The way that Jesus loves this Samaritan woman should give us hope. Why? Because he rejects no one, and he accepts everyone. That doesn't mean that he likes the way they live or he's going he's gonna to be happy with their sinful lifestyle because he addresses that. But, but he shows love even when we, and we probably wouldn't show love to ourselves. On your worst day, he is still your best friend. And when everyone has rejected you, Jesus will never reject you. Why? Because he is the only one that can be trusted to meet your need for acceptance. Amen? Identity. Identity. 
I want to feel like I'm someone important. I want to know who I am and that who I am matters in this life. God is the one who made me, therefore God is the one who truly knows my identity. People mistakenly attach their identity to the wrong things, to the lies of the world. So a lot of times people will tie and attach their identity to their possessions, what they have. I am what I have. That's a lie from the enemy. Others try to tie their identity to their position. I am what I do. What's my job? What's my work? What do I do? That's what I am. That's not your identity. Some put it in popularity. Uh, what other people think or say about me. That's who I am. That's not who you are. In today's generation, a lot of people have their identity really messed up in their sexual identity or their sexual orientation or all those things or their pronoun or whatever is up now today in the culture and society was just so far from God's word, thinking that that's who they are or that's what they are. When the reality is that you and I are children of God created by God for God-given purposes and my identity is not in what I have or what others think or what I do or what I think of myself. My identity is in being a child of God, created with purpose and destiny inside of me. He says in Isaiah, I know your name. I will never find my identity outside of God or in people. It's only in God. Security. We live in a troubled world. Can I get an amen? <laughs> it seems like every week there's more problems, more disasters, more chaos around the world. And we're constantly thinking and wanting to have physical security and emotional security and financial security. And what happens is we drink from the wrong wells and we continuously feel insecure because somehow we think that the government is the one that brings security to our life or that our bank account is the one that brings security to our life or that leaders and politicians are the ones that will bring security and stability to our, how, to our life or to the world or to our nation. And, and, and we're constantly feeling this insecurity. And, and let me tell you one thing. When you don't know God, I can understand being insecure all the time. But if you're a child of God, you and I can say, I, I may not know what's going to happen tomorrow in detail, but I know that my God is a big God and he's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his, and he knows the future and he knows what's coming. I don't know, but I know him and I have him. So my security is not in me or in the government or in the finances. My security is in my God who knows me and loves me and knows the future, so that's where I can find my security. This whole issue of relationships has to start here because before I can talk about healthy and strong relationships with others, I have to understand what the true source is. Purpose. Purpose. Believing that my, my life has a purpose. A lot of people have a hard time with this question. Why should I wake up tomorrow? Should I even keep on living? People are constantly wrestling and battling with depression, with suicidal thoughts, with ex existential doubts. Well, I lost my job and I have no money, so I must not have a purpose. If, you're, if, you're, if your purpose is connected to making money or how much you have, the moment you don't have or the moment you lose your job, then you have no purpose to live. That's not your purpose. Or if it's just to exist, just to exist in biological processes happening 24 hours, 70s, like, like that's not your purpose. Your purpose and my purpose is to understand that we were created by the most high God. I am his child and my purpose is not connected to making money or spending it or just existing. My purpose is to make an eternal difference in this life and in this world by impacting the people around me in the ways God has gifted me and positioned me and placed me to do wherever I am, however old I am, whatever season of life I'm in, I have value because God created me. Now I need to discover that purpose and realize God didn't create me for me. He created me for his purposes to make a difference, to make an impact. And I don't know about you, but that purpose is not gonna be found in other people. It's going to be found in Christ. Yeah. In Christ. 
acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. This is the operating system of our lives, and we are being driven every single day to try to attempt to get those needs met by other people in the wrong wells. That's what happens to this woman at the well. She was trying to get those needs met by people. And when she had her first husband, she wanted him to make her feel accepted and secure and have her identity, but, but he just couldn't do that, and probably vice versa as well. Now, let me clarify something. I'm not saying that people can't meet some of our needs. However, here's the point if you're taking notes. People meet our secondary needs, but not our primary needs. That's where some of us have gone wrong because we've expected a person to fill our most primary needs. Okay? Sometimes Christian marriages have a really hard time with this because even though they're both saved, they somehow haven't learned how to truly trust Jesus to meet each other's needs and their own needs, so they put that pressure on each other, they put that expectation on each other, and then what you find out is you can't meet those needs in each other. Only God can, and you're in for a lot of disappointment. God and only God can meet your deepest needs. That's why Jesus said to her, woman, if you keep drinking from that well, you're gonna stay thirsty. But if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would ask me and I would give you living water and you would never thirst again. What an awesome promise that is. Here's, here's a second thing that Jesus does when we have a relationship with him. Number two, God empowers us to love people. So we're learning some lessons from the well, from the woman at the well. God empowers us to love people. How? Through his Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 22. You may know this verse. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So, so check it out. When God is in our lives and we're truly trusting in him for our needs and we give way to the Holy Spirit in our lives, what happens is that this is the fruit that comes out of our lives. What's the fruit? Love. We can't love like God loves. <laughs> we can't love without God. Our human love is very shallow and conditional compared to his love. True love comes from God. Joy. Joy, by the way, is different than happiness. Happiness comes from happenings, from circumstances. So if the circumstances are pleasurable and pleasant, then I'm happy. If the circumstances are not good, then I'm sad. I'm, I'm upset, right? But joy, I can have joy even in my darkest moments, in my di most difficult situations, because joy is not dependent on my circumstances. It is a condition in my soul. Peace. Did you know this? You are either a peacemaker or a troublemaker, because what you have is what you give. You cannot give what you don't have. And if you have abundant of peace of God in your life, you will give peace. If you have a lot of problems in your life, what will come out is problems. And so that's a good question. Do I want to be a peacemaker or a troublemaker? Lord, I need your peace that surpasses all understanding. And it talks about patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All these things. All these things. By the way, by the way, all these things, love, joy, peace, that's, that's who you want to be married to. Or am I wrong? Or do you want to be married to the opposite of love, peace, and patience? Like, you want to be, and by the way, that's who your spouse wants to be married to. This is the friends that you want. These are what your friends want you to be. Everybody say oil, oil. I want to talk about the oil of the Holy Spirit. We see this a lot, illustration in the word of God. 
Our emotions are like an engine that are designed to operate with the oil of the Holy Spirit flowing through them. And when the Holy Spirit is flowing through you, you can succeed relationally. Today's, ty- today's message is entitled, The Key to Successful Relationships, right? And it's amazing how powerful we can experience relationships when we have the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Just like your car. If the engine runs out of oil, it will overheat. It will not operate optimally. There will be problems. And it's the same thing with us. The Samaritan woman was a broken down wreck of a woman. She was damaged. She felt hopeless. She had damaged people. She was damaged by people. And she now had become a social outcast and her dreams were broken because she didn't have God in her life. And Jesus comes and tells her, sister, you're just drinking from the wrong well. But if you ask me, I'll give, you some, something, I'll, I'll give you something different. Now, check this out. We just read Galatians 5.22, which speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. Right before that, if you go back a few verses, Galatians 5.16, it talks about a different type of fruit. Now, look what it says in Galatians 5.16. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, now here they are, check it out. He starts listing them. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Pause. If you're not walking under the power of the Holy Spirit, you will have sexual problems. Sexual immorality and sexual problems are evidence of the fact that we are walking in the power of our flesh, not in the power of his spirit. That can happen even as a believer. Continues on in verse 20. Idolatry, sorcery, spiritual problems. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, emotional problems. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, relational problems heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, behavioral problems, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it goes into verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, right? So so according to Paul, there's only two choices. I can live according to the flesh or according to the Spirit, there's only two choices. You walk by the Spirit or you walk by the flesh. Walking by the flesh means your own abilities, your own, your own powers, your own understanding, your own skin, okay? And so what he says is that the flesh or our sinful nature despises the Spirit and believes that it doesn't need the Spirit and the Spirit wants to overcome the flesh to empower our lives. So if you're taking notes, here it is. The flesh and the Spirit are always battling in our lives for control. Have you ever experienced this? We talk a lot about this in in the freedom curriculum. Have you ever taken freedom? Spiritual order? Spiritual order. It's a constant battle. Why? Why is it a battle? Because the Holy Spirit wants control, but the flesh also wants control. But guess who makes the decision of who's in control in your life? You. Guess who makes the decision of who's in control in my life? Me. And guess who usually is in control? the one you feed the most. When you feed the lusts and the cravings of the flesh or the appetite, flesh, by the way, refers to soul and body. Spirit is the part of us that connects to God. 
And so that's why it's very important to understand how am I, what am I feeding and what is getting stronger in my life because whatever I'm feeding and stronger, that's what's leading me. That's what I'm walking by, my flesh or the spirit. And so here's the warning that Paul gives us. Here's the point. If we don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives, check it out, our flesh will open the door to sexual problems, spiritual problems, emotional problems, relational problems, and behavioral problems. Now, you know what I love about the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit has a way of transforming and changing us internally. He changes our wants and our desires. Have you ever heard this verse, Psalm 37, 4? Have you ever heard this verse? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Have you heard that before? Anyway, so eloquently spoken in British. Now, here's the wrong interpretation of that verse that many of us were taught wrongfully. If you delight yourself in the Lord, God's going to give you everything you want. That's wrong. No, no, no. Listen Listen carefully. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, when you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to put the right desires in your heart. Are you following me? It's a very different interpretation. So when I delight myself in the Lord, he's now going to put the right desires in my heart. So he does that work in me. So not only is the desire that's right in my heart, but then he gives me through his spirit the ability to do it. He gives me the wanter and the canner. I want to do it and I can do it. Are you following me? For some of this, for some of us, this is a big revelation right here. Because some of us were wrongfully taught, oh, well, if I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me everything I want. I want her. I want that. I want that. No, 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 no. no. Delight yourself in the Lord and he's going to put the right wants in your heart. Interpretation. I love it. So ultimately, we choose our well. We make the decision. Am I going to drink from the well of Jesus, which is abundant with living water, or am I going to drink from somebody else as well? Every single day in our lives, we have the opportunity to make the decision on whether we're going to depend on God to meet our needs or other people. And when we choose other people, we always get in trouble. Third lesson from the woman at the well. Here it is. Without God, our relationships are set up for failure. Pastor, be more positive. I am positive that without God, our relationships are set up for failure. We will never make it. Let me talk to you about the principle of transference. I'll put it up here on the screens. The principle of of transference, production, if you guys can help me out. Here it is. If I don't trust Jesus to meet my deepest needs, I automatically transfer the expectation of those needs to the people closest to me. Does anybody see the problem with that? It sets up every other relationship for failure, whether it's your parents, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your girlfriend or boyfriend, whether it's your children, parents, or whether it's your friends. Every single one of us has made the mistake of trying to expect from another person the needs that only God can fill in our lives. I've done it. Anybody else? I'm just curious. Anybody else have fallen in that with me and you've expected other people to fall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those of you who didn't raise your hands, you're liars. We're all on to you. Some of us are living this way right now. Let me tell you something. Listen to to this closely. When you try to make another person take that God role in your life, you are placing that person in an impossible circumstance. 
And there's nothing that feels worse than being placed in a position with an expectation that's impossible to be met. And by the way, that's what somebody's putting you in when they're expecting for you to be their everything. It's an impossible circumstance. So what happens? You get frustrated with them. You might get angry with them. Over time, you will become bitter with them, and then you'll begin to accuse them and put even more pressure on them, and then your mood is controlled by their behavior. And if they do something good, then you're happy. If they do something bad, then you're sad. And it's the proverbial roller coaster, up and down and up and down. And then you develop a codependent relationship because you have unhealthy expectations, and so do they. And when you're in that kind of relationship, you can only give to the person to the extent that you are being given to. And then if their well is dry and your well is dry, it's a dry, dry relationship. And then you lose hope. And then it's all doubt because it's, it's, you keep thinking that you have something to do with it or that the other person has something to do with it. And it's really a God issue. It's a personal relationship with God issue. This woman was soul thirsty and we're all soul thirsty Every one of us have a thirst every day of our lives for some of these deep needs of affection, of love, of acceptance, of security. People can meet secondarily some of those needs, but only God can meet primarily the deepest needs of our life. Why? Because God is our only hope. Our hope is not in people. Our hope is in God. And their hope isn't in us. Their hope has to be in God. When we live with our dependence on people, we are unhappy, we are inconsistent, and we are unstable. And then when we lose that relationship, if we do, we're devastated because all of our hope was in that relationship. All of our eggs were in that basket. And so, and so I've learned something, and it's going to sound counterintuitive at first, but I've learned that this is healthy. When I consider my relationship with my mom and my dad, when I consider my relationship with my wife, when I consider my relationship with my kids, it's healthy to say, life is wonderful with you, and I hope that you're always around, but, but life is possible without you. Now, now follow me. This is a healthy thing to understand. Life is wonderful with you, and I hope that we're together always, but life is possible without you. Let me tell you what is an unhealthy Statement and saying, I can't live without you. That is unhealthy and is unbiblical unless the object of that statement is God. And guess what today's society and today's romance-filled Hollywood puts in our, I can't live without you. So you're not in my life, I can't. And that is the most unhealthy unbiblical position, and that is why we have codependent relationships, and that is why we have so many dissatisfied relationships. Is anybody following me? So the next, if somebody was to tell me, somebody that I love, they can't live without me, I would say, we need some Christian counseling now. Are you following me? But we got to break through that, because that, for some of us, that's all we hear. That's what we've been taught, and that's what we want. Oh my gosh, I want a guy. I want a guy. I want a girl. I'm their everything. No, you don't. No, you want a guy and a girl who God is their everything, and then you can, you can, help, you can help them and walk along that journey. Woo, take that pressure off yourself. You want to know why? Because life is uncertain. As the prophet Forrest Gump said, life is like a box of chocolates. A lot of people that we think are going to be around forever might not. 
because sometimes people move away, fade away, or pass away. And so if, if they're no longer there, now I can't continue living? That's unhealthy because my only source for true needs to be met in life is God. Is this hitting home with anybody today? People are people, so we have to leave people in the category of people. We cannot put people in the category of God. Only God should be in the category of God. And so I'm so thankful for people. And there are needs in my life that people do meet in my life, and they are a blessing to me. But life is possible without people, but life is impossible without God. Impossible. Impossible. And the woman at the well, she kept latching on to men, putting all her hopes and dreams in those relationships and there was a lot of hurt, but Jesus showed up. Last, last lesson, number four. Number four, last lesson. We can experience the love of Jesus personally. That's a good place for an amen right there. Hey, remember this, that Jesus is a free gift. You don't have to earn him or deserve him or be good enough so then he will come and want to be a part of your life. It, it says in John 4.10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water because God, ha Jesus has living water he wants to pour into your life. I love how Paul puts it in Ephesians 2.4. Look up on the screens, it's here. Ephesians 2.4, but God, who is rich in mercy. How is he in mercy? How, how? Rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we all need to remember it's only by his grace. It's not because you earned it or I earned it or because look how handsome I am or look how pretty I am or look how good I am. Look how good I am. No, no, no. None of us are good. We are all messed up. You got your issues and problems. I got my issues and problems. We all got issues. And if you think you don't got issues, that's your issue. At least one of them. Because we all got, we all got issues and we all, have, we are all in need of, of Dr. Jesus. And we're all in need of hospital of the kingdom. Some of us got here 30 years ago. Some of us got here 20 years ago. Some of you got here today and you're in the ER and you need them just as much as I needed them at one point. We all need them, but you're not better. I'm not better than you because I got here first. You're not less than because you got here later. We are all precious in his sight. But we need to understand that we all need him. And there's nothing that we can do to deserve or earn it. He freely gives it to us. It's grace. It's grace. Everything that we are empty on, he is full of. Everything that we are empty and drained of, he is full of in abundance and has no worry if you ask him for more. He is so precious. And so you got you to gotta be honest with the Lord. By the way, your problems should become your prayer list. So you got problems? Don't call 10 people to complain about your problems. Call one and ask him to help you with your problem. Are you following me? Like, Lord, I'm having this meeting today with these people and I don't want to kill them because I feel like I'm going to kill them. So help me to not kill them. Make your problem your prayer list. Are you following me? Like, Lord, I don't know what my son is thinking. I don't know what he's, I don't know what he's thinking. For the 10th, for the 100th time, I don't know what he's thinking. But Lord, give me the love and the patience and put some people in his way. Smack him, Holy Spirit. Right? Like, right? But let me not call 10 other people to complain about my son. Let me talk to the one who could do something about it. Right? To the one, like, Holy Spirit, pinch him in the butt until it hurts. Come on. Are you following me? 
God is so good. Not because we're worthy, but he's just, just because he's good. I, I love how this story ends. Verse 28 of John 4. And it says, the woman then left her water pot. Isn't that interesting? What did she leave? She left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all, thing, all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out the city and came to him. They came to Jesus. So isn't it interesting, first of all, that she left her water pot? Because here's what happens when, when you have a true encounter with Jesus, it causes you to leave some things behind. And I would ask myself today, and I would ask you today, what is, what is the water pot, or what are the water pots that Jesus is calling you to leave behind? Because maybe it's been a source of your survival, like, like the water pot was for this woman, but all of a sudden God is calling you, Jesus is calling you to a new life. This water pot was so significant for her up to that point, and now became insignificant after she met Jesus. And this outcast woman, who nobody would give two dimes for, now goes to the leaders of the city with so much confidence, not because of who she was, but because of who she knew. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, girl, now we believe not just because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. <laughs> Woo! Jesus, in one conversation, took a broken down woman and turned her into a world changer. And guess what? He could do the same with you and with me. And so I want to conclude with a few of these lessons. If you're drinking from the wells of other people, you're drinking from the wrong source. Only God can fill and meet the deepest needs in your life. If you seek it in people, you'll never have the successful relationships that you want because you'll be codependent, frustrated, angry, bitter, and empty. People are wonderful, but they are secondary. The well of Jesus Christ is the well that we drink from in order to get our deepest needs met. Hey, hey, and by the way, then prepares us to establish strong and healthy relationships. So before we start addressing this relationship and that relationship and what he did and what she's not doing, before we address all that, let's first address on my most important needs won't be met by them. They can only be met by him. So let me take the pressure off of them. Let me release, release them from that unfair obligation that I've put them in, and, let, and may they release me from that as well. Is anybody following me? And so as I pray, I want to I do two prayers. One is for all of us and maybe recognizing maybe where we need to allow the Lord to minister to us. And then the second one is for, is for anybody who maybe today you feel like that woman at the well, and it's like your first real encounter with Jesus, and you realize, man, I need him in my life. 
So this first prayer, I want you to think about this. Is there any relationship or relationships in your life that you have been looking and seeking to truly fill you that's not God? And I want to not only challenge you, but as pastor in this house, I want to encourage and motivate you today to release those people from that obligation, which is impossible for them to fill. And to seek in God and from God what only God can fill in our lives. Identity, acceptance, security, and purpose. Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Lord, we come before you today once again asking you to guide our steps. Lord, forgive us for going to the wrong wells to fill our thirst. Forgive us for thinking that people and relationships with others could somehow take the place that only you can fill. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage to release the obligation that we've placed on others, which has positioned them in a place of impossibility, and that others would release us of those same impossible expectations in their lives, recognizing that you and only you have the ability to truly meet our deepest needs. I pray, Lord God, that you would bring healing and restoration to relationships, to marriages, to families, to friendships. And I pray, Lord, that as we begin with this first crucial point, that this would open the door for new levels and new seasons of health and strength in our interpersonal relationships. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.